Hello, Mississippi and abroad. This is Parrish Alford with the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, welcoming you to another edition of Justify Your Existence, where we bring you all the relevant college football talk in Mississippi and the SEC. I'm joined by Michael Katz, our Ole Miss beat writer. Michael, how are you, man? I'm good. How are you doing? It was a long night. Man, it was a long night slash uh, early morning. It's one of those things that, uh, gosh, you, you see uh, these weather-delayed games on TV, and I think, ooh, I, I'm glad I'm not those guys. You know, feel sorry for those guys uh, in that weather delay. But every now and then, uh, you are those guys, and uh, and we were last night. Thankfully, uh, it was not a start-and-stop thing. We didn't have, uh, didn't have delays once uh, they got started, and, uh, they got started in a light rain. I think at some point it stopped raining. But uh, anyway, uh, wet, dry, it just seems not to matter with this Ole Miss offense, man. They just looked uh, looked really good. Uh, what was the final? 61-21? Is that what it was? Yes. 61-21. So they've scored more each week. Uh, big win over Tulane. And, and, and some people who uh, aren't really paying attention might roll their eyes. Uh, but that's not a bad two-lane team. I mean, Oklahoma did not do what Ole Miss did to that same two-lane team. Oklahoma, number three, Oklahoma just survived that game. Uh, didn't play particularly well. Tulane took advantage of mistakes. Tulane took advantage of uh, an Ole Miss mistake early in the game with a turnover, and they, they did some other things in the first half. But uh, by and large, man, uh, Ole Miss just uh, just looked absolutely dominant on offense. What the uh, – what were your takeaways? Um, you know, I, I know it's 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 three games in and rat poison and, and things of that nature, but but Matt Corral is he's he's pretty special. Um, you, you know, I I I know a lot of things change between now and the end of the season, but it, it's hard to envision someone playing college quarterback better than what he's doing right now. He's just in total command of everything. He's never rattled. Uh, you know, even when things break down, he he finds a way to to figure it out, maneuvering in the pocket or, or running. Um, he's just he's so competitive. He's so fiery. You know, seven touchdowns yesterday uh, total, three passing, four rushing. It's the first time an SEC quarterback has ever done that, which is pretty remarkable, given the history of the SEC quarterbacks. Um, and he, you know, it, after the game, you would have thought he played terribly. He, he was just like, yeah, I left a lot of plays out there. And that's just the expectation with him is he's expecting himself to be great. And he's gotten better every game. And um, he's, you know, I know Robert Griffin kind of, we were all kind of crazy when he said that he was going to win the Heisman. And it's not looking as crazy anymore. I mean, if, if Ole Miss does what it can do, He's going to be in the conversation, and there's a lot of ifs in there, and that game in Alabama, I think, is going to tell us a lot. Um, but he, he's doing some pretty remarkable stuff right now. You know, I think about Matt Corral, and I think about just, uh, what, a month and a half ago, I think about August in the preseason, and and there was some mention. There was some mention of Matt Corral and the Heisman. Some people were kind of you know, putting his name in that discussion, but every time you heard that discussion, you would hear Spencer Rattler, and you would hear Sam Howell at, uh, at North Carolina. And, and I'm thinking, okay, yeah, you probably make a case for those guys, but I, I don't get 
ranking them ahead of Matt Corral in this discussion right now. I thought Corral was uh, overshadowed last year for what he accomplished, led the nation in total offense. Uh, but guys like Mac Jones uh, at Alabama and Kyle Trask at Florida kind of sucked the the life out of the room in that discussion among SEC quarterbacks. I mean, it was all about those two guys. Okay, they were upperclassmen. Corral, he was kind of doing his thing for the first time with Lane Kiffin, really having that kind of big dominant season for the first time. But I just don't think he got credit for it in the run-up to this season. But I'll tell you, it hasn't taken long for him to surpass Spencer Rattler in those discussions to surpass Sam Howell. And, and yeah, he could really – look, they haven't played a conference game yet. Uh, you know, it's going to get harder. But he's a big part of that discussion right now. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't he, – he pretty much can't have done more than he's done. I mean, I know he'll tell you that there were plays left on the field, and, yeah, there, there probably were, but – you know, 14 total touchdowns. He hasn't turned the ball over, which is what everybody talked about coming into the season is can he avoid the big mistakes? And, you know, there were two two games last year where it killed him. And, again, it's really early in the season, and maybe those games are coming. But he, he looks just so in control of everything, and he's so confident in that offense. Um, you know, I know they put up 48 on Alabama last year. I'm not saying that they're going to do that again, but – they're, they're going to score some points. Uh, I, I don't think there's any defense in the country that can truly shut down what Corral is leading right now. Yeah, 96 straight passes without an interception to start the season for Matt Corral. That's his streak right now. He's had no fumbles, so he's avoided through three games the turnovers. But, again, the turnovers, the big turnover games were only two games last year out of ten, and they stand out. And people want to talk about them, but I'm telling you, they were two games out of 10. To some degree, uh, there's always going to be the threat of the turnover because he's a high-risk guy. I mean, he's he's a gunslinger. He's going to uh, make decisions. Sometimes you think, ooh, do you, you really want to do that? Uh, but I think I saw just one pass, maybe one pass, maybe two, last night that, that could have been intercepted. You know, he, he threw into uh, – you know, threw into double coverage one time. You know, there was no couple. You know, somebody's going to make a play on that in the conference. But, you know, to start out 96 straight without an interception, that's that's good for a guy that you know uh, is trying to move past those multi-turnover games. Does it make you nervous when he takes off and runs? I know that's a, a big part of what he does. He seems willing to slide most of the time. But when he knows there's yardage involved and he knows he's got to get to the sticks uh, – you know, he'll lower his shoulder. Um, does that make you nervous? I'm sure it makes a lot of Ole Miss fans nervous. Yeah, I mean, that's that's part of why I think people love him is that he's a gamer and he's never going to give up on a play. But, uh, you know, he, he he has taken some licks this season already, and uh, he's he's going to take some more. And so, you know, every time, I, you know, the first thing you, you see is how quickly does he get up. And he, he always pops, you know, right back up. He's never a guy that even if he's feeling it would probably linger on the field for too long. Um, but, you know, and even Lane said it, you know, in a perfect world, he isn't running that much. And I, I think that is something that they kind of have to work on balance wise. But, 
you know, again, I, I don't think you're going to take that mentality out of Matt Corral. I think that's just who he is. And even if you tell him, do not run, if it's what he needs to do, he's probably going to do it anyway, because it, it's, it, you know, it's what the team needs. And so, um, you know, you, you just hope that, you know, one of those one of those hits isn't one that, you know, uh, I'm a USC fan. And I've seen Keaton Slovis get knocked out of a couple games with concussions. It, it, it happens. Uh, college football is really physical. Um, you know, you just hope he doesn't take one of those. But um, I, I think it's going to be hard. I, I would not be the I would not want to be the person to tell him to, to, to slow down because I don't think Matt Corral would take that very well. All right, some other takeaways from the game last night. Still a dominant performance for Ole Miss, over 700 yards of offense. Uh, what did they rush for, man? They were over 300, right? Yeah. It was 372. 372, 372 rushing yards. Uh, and, look, and, and they, they, they pulled back there. At the end of the game, both those teams were just handing off, trying to run out the clock. I mean, I saw some people on Twitter, some Ole Miss fans writing, hey, this is fun. Can we score 80? Can we get 100? Well, you know, no, you know. People were looking at it like that, but you got some other guys in the game. But at that time, uh, you're just trying to run the clock and get out of there. So we didn't see, see Kincaid Dent uh, drop back and and pass much. Uh, Jerrion Ely, I thought, had his best game of the year. For the first time, I thought looked like the back that, uh, that I really expect to see him be. I mean, he really, I thought, was running with vision. Uh, using the cutback well. Henry Parrish, too, that 19-yard touchdown, man. He, he cuts back, makes a hard plant there at the nine, changes direction, and goes into the end zone easily. Just a, you know, a great rushing performance by Ole Miss. Uh, I think it's a concern that you're getting multiple false starts from your center. you got to figure out what's going on there. You know, that's not been an issue against Louisville, Austin P. And, and Tulane, that will be an issue. You know, one one five-yard uh, penalty poorly timed uh, could really could really be damaging against Alabama. you got to be as close to perfect as you can be against Alabama. So they, they need to figure out what's going on there and get that cleaned up. Jonathan Mingo, at times, you know, we've, we've talked before, Michael, about uh, his need to become more consistent just catching the ball, you know, catching the ball. And he had a drop last night. But, man, they kept going to him, and, and he showed – his physicality, and I thought showed good focus the rest of the night. Man, he made some made some tough catches. Uh, it was a big night for Jonathan Mingo, which kind of plays into uh, the next takeaway is where's John Rice Plumley? Because if your number one slot guy is going to play like that, and we said before the season, I mean, what could open the door for Plumley to have a really big year as the slot receiver, as an inside guy, would be if Mingo was not able to become that consistent pass catcher. Well, it looks like he's taking steps in that direction. We didn't see uh, didn't see a lot of Plumley in the slot last night, and when it was time for a second slot guy, it was Jacor Pearson. What what's going on there? Do you have any ideas? Um, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know things that we saw in camp may have. Uh, been window dressing uh, to, to an extent. I think that's, that is bound to happen. And I think coaching staffs play things close to the vest though. I mean, Jeff Libby did say that he was expecting John Rice to play a big part, but you know, obviously there is such thing as coach speak. And so 
you know, I, I understand that. Um, but I, I think the thing is, it just sort of speaks to the talent of those top three receivers with Ontario and Mingo and Sanders. Those guys are just so established. Um, you know, they're, they're going to catch a lot of passes and, you know, everybody else is kind of going to have to fall in line after that. And I know it's been Jacor a, a little bit. Um, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bit of, you know, he is still so raw at the position. I think there is um, something to be said for him needing to learn the intricacies and and all that stuff. Um, you know, I, I saw him go back for a couple punt returns. Obviously, he was in their quarterback late, um, you know, but no, no real meaningful snaps uh, as a receiver. Maybe that changes as as the year goes on. But I, I think it, it really kind of speaks to the depth that they have that they're so talented out there that they don't need John Rice to be playing right away if, if he isn't necessarily you know ready to contribute in ways that uh, they think he could be most effective. I, I think I think his time is coming. I, I think it'll get there. Um, you know, it is still so early and, you know, maybe, you know, maybe the bye week is when that kind of a thing happens when, when they, you know, sometimes things change after bye weeks and it clicks for guys, you know, maybe it's when we start to see it, but you know, that, that receiver room is so talented that, um, you know, I, 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 I think it's, it's really a testament to, to what they have in that room. Well, you know, we talked about the, the many different ways they could use John Rice before the season, and, and all those things are on the table. But if he is still learning the position, I'll give you that. I know there was an injury in camp, and maybe that delayed uh, some of his progress. But uh, I think a lot of it's going to have to do with with how Mingo's playing um, with, you know, as far as opportunities for anybody else. But uh, if Mingo continues to play at a high level, that's, you know, they're going to leave him in the game. But I just like these receivers. So, you know, we we have from the beginning of the season, and we're seeing so much production, so much more of the ball being spread around. It looks like they're finding Braylon Sanders more. We knew he would be a deep threat. We're starting to see that more. Don Terrio Drummond, man, I just think he's a great story. Um, he was not among the top two thousand players in the country. Two thousand, you know. Uh, according to 247 Sports, uh, their composite list when he was a high school senior uh, in Laurel. Uh, and, and for him to do what he's done the last year and a half, I, I think just really speaks to work ethic, speaks to guys wanting to be good, speaks to attention to detail. And it should be a message to, uh, you know, to guys who are not five-star recruits that, hey, you, know, you can get where you want to be. you you got to pay the price. You've got to want to be good. You've got to put in the work, and, and, and you, can, you can develop. And sometimes that's a word that gets lost. You know, we look so much for uh, instant gratification with the next big thing on campus, you know, who, who's that going to be? And uh, sometimes development gets lost. Uh, speaking of uh, the next big thing on campus, man, let's talk about uh, – defense a little bit. Uh, they were getting some pressure last night, being disruptive, I thought, uh, with their their three defensive linemen and doing it with guys who were not, uh, you know, guys who were the starters on a bad defense last year. You know, we saw a lot of Quentin Bivens. We saw a lot of K.D. Hill on that defensive line interior. Um, didn't see Taiwan Malone. Uh, maybe he got in the game late. You know, 
you reach that point, man, where you just put your head down and start riding. And, and so you don't get to see all the reserves as, as they get in the game. But I thought they did a good job of collapsing the pocket, made some mistakes, a couple mistakes in, in the secondary. Uh, one resulted in a touchdown, but it looked like they cleaned that up after halftime. Well, what'd you think? You know, it's, it, I guess I wasn't really, you know, paying as close of attention in that second half because the game got out of hand pretty quickly. But, you know, you look down in this, you know, Tulane offense that was averaging 52 points a game and 490 yards of offense only ended up with like 305 yards of total offense, I think it was. You know, yeah, there, there were a couple of uh, explosive plays. The one that sticks out was that 39-yard screen pass uh, towards the, I think it was like midway through the second quarter. And that's when they tried the onside kick and, and things kind of went from bad to worse for, for Tulane there. But, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's definitely not a, it's not a finished product. And I think that's, that's not a bad thing. I mean, it's, you see that they've played so much better than they were a year ago, but there's still a lot of places that they can get better. And I think, I think that's a good thing. It's, they haven't hit their ceiling yet. And, you know, obviously you want to clean things up. Um, you know, I believe they pitched a shutout in the second half. Um, they, did. they did. And, you know, obviously, you know, they start to start putting in their, you know, number twos and whatnot, too. But, you know, pitching a shutout is not something that Ole Miss defenses have done a lot of in recent years. And so I think if in any situation when you can do that, you're feeling pretty good. Um, you know, they just it's. It's like we kind of I think we're all kind of waiting for like for for like it to revert back to like to last season, like up here it is. But again, it's super early, but and there are going to be games. I imagine they're going to be in some shootouts this year. Like that's just the way the SEC is. There are too many good players and teams in this conference. You're not going to hold everybody to 300 yards of offense, but this is a team that feels like it can make stops finally. And um, you know, I don't think that's something that you could really say in years past and they're getting better. You know, they, they got some work to do, but you know, you just look at them on the field. They're, they're just so much more talented than, than they were a year ago. I think that's, that's something that everybody kind of talks about is they just look a lot more like an SEC defense now. Um, and I think, I think that's a testament to, to what the, the staff has brought in with transfers and recruiting. I, I think to, to kind of, turn around that thing so quickly is pretty remarkable. Well, and they've created more depth in the secondary through recruiting and transfers and everything, and, and so much so that they were able to uh, play without Jake Springer last night, who we thought would be a big part of this team and, and, and still think uh, that, that he will become that player. And did Dean Leonard play at cornerback? Um, I don't remember seeing him. I don't remember seeing him. Actually, I have the – participation chart here i think um you know I do, I do not remember seeing him but again towards the end of that game it was kind of all a blur yeah. um but you know again they they have so many guys that they can play in the defensive backfield that you know if a guy like springer who again we all think is going to play a, a really big part yeah. they didn't really miss a beat no they, they didn't now I think uh, I still want to see this three-man front hold up against a really good running team, and I don't think we've we've seen that yet. I think the jury's still out on that. Uh, look, they're not going to – you know, 
they're going to go game by game. They're going to scout everybody. If, uh, you know, the best running backs are, are the next team on the schedule, it might not be a three-man front. You know, they, they've got uh, different uh, ways they can go. But right now, I just – I see a team that pursues. I see a team that tackles a lot better uh, than, than it has in years past. And that big play, man, on the screen uh, where that receiver just, uh, you know, broke free and then outran everybody – haven't seen that play given up by the Ole Miss defense a lot this year. Have in recent years, but uh, this year they've been getting off blocks, making tackles. That play was not the norm, and they did clean that up as the game went along. There was a, you know, there was a coverage bust somewhere where one of those touchdowns, the two-lane guy was pretty open. Uh, there was a time when Miles Battle, a former four-star receiver, dropped an interception. It was right in his hands. That's where this defense needs to get better. They need to see them begin to force more turnovers. Uh, but anyway, uh, two weeks now before Alabama, what do you think uh, will be the uh, the primary focus for the Rebels during the open date? Where do they need to get better? We'll, uh, we'll wrap it up with this. I mean, you know, you, you can play really well against teams like Tulane and Austin P and Louisville, but the Alabama, I know Alabama didn't look like their best yesterday against Florida, but – they are still Alabama and that game in Tuscaloosa. I mean, that's, it's going to be really, really tough. And Alabama has so much talent offensively at the skill spots. And they've, they just keep churning out quarterbacks. Bryce young is, is the next one up. And, and so I think, you know, I, I, I think the offense, no matter who they play is going to produce. I don't think that's ever going to be a problem. Are they going to put up 60 against everyone? No, of course not. But I think you'd be hard pressed to not see them score at least 30 in pretty much every game, but it's, it's can the defense hold like it's been holding and maybe make a couple of those key turnover plays because against Alabama, you have to come down with that interception Um, because unlike Tulane, Alabama will make you pay. Eventually you need to come down with turnovers. You have to take advantage of everything. And so, you know, I, I think it's it's details and all that stuff. But, um, you know, I, I think, you know, obviously they're de- it, what they're doing right now is working, but I, I think that, you know, they, they got to, they got to, they have to work on capitalizing on, on, on mistakes. Uh, you know, Alabama is not generally a team that beats itself. And uh, if, if they're going to give you freebies, uh, you have to take advantage because, you know, if you give Matt Corral good field position, odds are he's going to do something with it. Uh, you don't know how many possessions you're going to get against Alabama. You're going to get against Alabama or how many short fields you'll get under normal circumstances. So, you know, it, it sounds like a, you know, a broken record at this point, but I think it it's going to come down to the defense. And that's what the story of the season has been. It's, Everyone knew the offense was going to do some pretty amazing, maybe, maybe not as amazing as it's done so far. Um, but, you know, if the defense, it, it, it's going to have to take another step. And, uh, you know, they, they've, there's work to be done. But I, I think that a week to kind of to game plan is, is a best case scenario. I know Nick Saban is not happy that two different teams have bye weeks right before uh, right before they play Alabama. But I'm sure those teams are not upset that they get an extra week. So uh, it, it's, it's certainly not a week off. Uh, they, they, they've got a lot to, a lot to work on. 
Folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, where we bring you all the relevant college football talk in Mississippi and the SEC. For Michael Katz, I'm Parrish Alford. Thanks for being with us. Come back and join us later this week.